Praise the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Well, where do we go from here? I know where we're going. We're going from glory to glory. We're going from one degree of splendor to another. For this comes from the presence of the Lord. Glory to God. You know, you give place to the Holy Spirit and you invite Him to come, He will show up. He will come. On the other hand, if we ignore Him and we have our program and we have our three points and the Reader's Digest illustrations, I mean, you can have church, but He's not there. I like it when He shows up to church. I like it when He shows up to the prayer meetings. Amen? It's all about Him. It's not about you and it's not about me. It's about Him. It's about His kingdom coming. And His will being done. In the earth. As it is in heaven. Oh, glory to God. Let's just raise our hands again. The presence of the Lord is here tonight. So give Him place with your time. Give Him place with your affection. Does not the Scripture say, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth? For the word affection literally means set your heart, set your mind on Him. Practice the presence of the Lord. Corporately, individually, always should we be drawing nigh unto Him. And when we do that, He will draw nigh to us. See, God is not resisting His children. As a matter of fact, He'll do anything and everything He can to manifest Himself and to show Himself strong in your life and in my life. Amen. He does resist the proud. But thank God He gives grace to the humble. And when you humble yourself, under the mighty hand of God, by giving Him your time, by giving Him your affection, by honoring Him. He'll pour it out, man. He will pour out His presence in you, on you, all around you. He'll go before you and open up doors, praise God, before you even get there. Oh, what a God we serve. What a good God we serve. One scripture says this, if you come close to God... He's going to come close to you. Do you sense His presence tonight? There was a drawing nigh unto Him. And from time to time, it's good to do that corporately. At any time of the service, just be ready. Stay ready to draw near. Give Him your time. Give Him your best. You know, we talked a little bit about Matthew 6.33 this morning, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We discovered that a king is a king of a kingdom that has rulership over a territory and over a people of that particular area. We serve the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he has already delivered you from the kingdom of darkness. And He has brought you into the kingdom of His dear Son. And we discovered today that as we, as children of God, 
give him our very best that we in him can reign in life. The Amplified says in Romans 5.17 that you'll reign as a king in life by one Jesus Christ. That's the Amplified version. I'm interested in reigning in life. Perhaps you have had enough life reign on you and now you're ready to start reigning in life. Something very interesting, and I'm not going to talk real long tonight, but something that's interesting about seeking first the kingdom of God, one way we do it is with our obedience. Amen? See, in Isaiah, he says, if, now that's a condition, Isaiah 119, if you be willing and obedient, you're going to eat the good of the land. I dare say that every one of you want to eat the good of the land. Nothing wrong with you living in the best, driving the best, wearing the best, glory to God, and having God's best. But there's some qualifiers there. He said, if you're willing, but not only willing, if you're obedient, then you are going to participate. You're going to eat the good of the land. In uh, Job, I believe it is, 3611, and let's bring it up there if I'm wrong, don't crucify me. Job 36.11 Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Develop a kingdom focus. Become kingdom minded. The kingdom of God, as Brenda said, is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. This kingdom you are in is a kingdom of peace. This kingdom that you are in is a kingdom of joy. It's a kingdom of light, of life, and of love. Now notice with me in in obedience in Job 36, 11. Read that with me, please. Go ahead. Read it one more time. Everybody likes the pleasure. But you've got to define what pleasure is. He's not necessarily talking about worldly pleasure. It is your father's good pleasure to give you what? The kingdom. kingdom. Spending your days in pleasure could mean spending your days with days of heaven on earth in your relationships. Spending my days in pleasures could mean spending my days in divine health. He said, if you obey and you serve me, you're going to have prosperity. And prosperity to me begins on the inside. Certainly it manifests on the outside, but prosperity is really having your needs met to the point where you become a vessel of honor unto him, pouring out his goodness to others. And that includes money. But notice the condition. If you obey and you serve me, you're going to spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. Now, something else that's really important that I I really believe that, that God can show it to you. I can't show it to you. But the Lord can show you how you're spending your time. 
See, how I spend my time is equal to what is a priority in my life. If you spend all your time shopping, then clothing and shopping becomes a priority. You know, when you got a women, when you got a church full of women, that's probably not the best illustration to use. Let's bring it over to sports. If you spend all your time on the golf course, if you spend all your money on golf clubs, then you have shown the Lord. See, the Lord sees everything. If you spend all your time in front of the TV going like this, that's not seeking first the kingdom of God. And I am not coming against watching television. What I am coming against is becoming an idiot while you're watching it. Excess. Yeah. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Whatever I use my time for, I'm going to reap. Now listen to this statement. When I'm kingdom-minded... And when you're kingdom-minded, your time becomes valuable to him. The other one, please. Your time becomes valuable to him. When I spend time, and you spend time, the majority of your time... Putting him first, then your time becomes valuable to him. You got to get that. Your time becomes a precious commodity to the eternity, the eternal one. My time becomes valuable to him. Listen to this next statement. And as a result of that, he will pour resources into you, into your life, that wouldn't necessarily be there if you weren't kingdom-minded. I have good friends that own jets. I'm not against preachers owning jets. I'm sorry. I am not against a preacher having seven motorcycles. I am not against a preacher having an air-conditioned garage so he can work on one of his ten cars. Because I happen to know some of these preachers. And I happen to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that these are true, real men of God. And I don't care what anyone says about it. It's not what you have. It's not what you own that matters. What matters is how'd you get it. 
How did you get it? If I come rolling in to Sparing Boulevard in a Rolls Royce next Sunday morning with a hat on and a tuxedo, it might turn some heads. But you mark it down. I didn't get that by stealing from the Lord. I got that from the seed that I have sown. It's not what you have that matters. It's how'd you get it. So I'm not going to stand in judgment of preachers that have jets. I'll take Keith Moore, for example. He owns a jet debt-free. And the calling of God upon that man's life, it is necessary for him to own a jet. Because he cannot carry out the will of God or the plan of God without one. Owning a jet for that ministry is as important for us to own this building. If I needed a jet, I'd believe for it. But I don't. But I'm not going to judge those that have them. Because I know for a fact that these men of God have sown not hundreds of thousands, but millions of dollars. Into the kingdom of God. For the advancement of the kingdom of God. And they're criticized by narrow-minded religious people. Who have no concept of kingdom expansion. So if I will become kingdom-minded and you will become kingdom-minded, God will pour into your life what you need to expand His kingdom. I mean, if you're just seeking healing to be healed so you can go to all the Raiders games and miss all the Sunday morning services... That doesn't work. <laughs> when I'm kingdom minded, my time is valuable to him. And he will pour out the resources. So I'm encouraging you tonight, let your time become more valuable to him. You know why a lot of people's needs aren't met? It's because they're not kingdom minded. They're not kingdom focused. They're not advancing his agenda. They're advancing their agenda. So, where do we go from here? If you will let your time become more valuable to him, he will secure that time back to you. Absolutely, positively, will secure it back into your hands. Look with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians, the fifth chapter. You're not seeking first the kingdom of God when you come to church 20 minutes late. 
You're not seeking first the kingdom of God when you throw a tip at him in the offering. Seeking first the kingdom of God means you're all in. And you're all out for him. Now, if I preached this Sunday morning, I'd probably get stoned. But I got a wall of protection around me. And I'm knowing me, I'm just likely to do it anyway. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 15 through 17. He says, see that you walk circumspectly. That means be aware of your time. Be aware of your relationships. Walk wisely. Be discerning on decisions. Walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. Foolish people waste their time. You ever had anybody want to waste your time? Boy, your hand went up quick, Josh. Well, I just need a minute. But if your time is valuable to him, a minute to you means a minute. To them, it might mean 45. Moving right along. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Now notice this in verse 16. Read it with me. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Amplified. Making the very most of the time. Buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Listen, friends. If you will prioritize your life according to the kingdom, he will take things off of you. The weights that we started talking about at the beginning of the year will peel off of you. God will make a way. I don't know how he does it. But God can multiply your time. If he can multiply the seed that you sow financially, he can multiply your time in 24 hours. He can show you how to do what you're doing in a sharper way, in a keener way, in a better way. To where it used to take you three hours, now it takes you 30 minutes. Our time is valuable to Him. Our time is valuable to us. He'll take stuff off you. And He'll put resources in you. And on you. That's why I don't worry about sowing our CDs of the services to people's hands. Because I know the inevitable law of sowing and reaping, that whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Walk circumspectly, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Listen, friends, we're coming to a very quick end to this whole thing. We are not always going to be doing what we're doing here tonight. We'll be praising Him most likely in heaven. Soon and very soon. We are going to see the King. But while we have this little sliver of time left, what in the world do we want to waste it for? 
Yeah, but I have my job and I have my kids and I have this and I have that and I have this and I have that. Those are just excuses. It is not a question whether or not you're busy. We are all going to be busy. The question is, is what are we going to busy ourselves with? Yes, work. Yes, be the best parent you can. But do it the kingdom way. Do it the way of the king. And not showing up when you should be here. And not serving when you should be serving is not the way to do it. In closing this tonight, turn with me quickly to... The book of Matthew. You know, there's a lot of folks called. But there are a few that are chosen. And the thing that separates you into the category of the chosen is what you're doing with your time. What you're doing with the resources that God has given you. Not every one of us have the same resources. In the parable of the talents, one was given ten, right? How many did he produce? The other was given five. How many did he produce? The other one was given one. What did he do with the one he had? He hid it under a napkin. And the Lord was not pleased with that. You see... You may not be a person that ever goes to the platform. You may be a gland in the body of Christ. How many of you know, if you're missing a gland in your physical body, you're going to become very aware of how important that gland is to you. And I said it a week ago, you may want to be a toe. But if you are an ear, you can get your PhD in toeology. You can go to seminars about toes. But at the end of the day, you are still an ear. Listen, it doesn't matter where God has placed you. What matters is, what are we going to do with what he's given us to do? That is stewardship. That is responsibility. Now let's look at a group of people in the Bible. And some of their descendants are here today. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. We live in a society, and I was going to preach something else tonight, but... I really do need to save what I was going to preach tonight for a Sunday morning service. Because there is so much irreverence in the body of Christ. There is so much irreverence in this place on Sunday morning that it's not even funny. People chewing gum. Babies playing in the middle of the row. People coming in at 11.45. We live in a society 
where irreverence has reigned. And really, we are paying for the rebellion of the 60s and 70s. Some of you didn't grow up like I grew up. I was not taught how to reverence the Lord. I was taught to be afraid of Him. Scared to death. And the way I was taught didn't cause me to draw near to Him. It caused me to run from Him. Because in running from Him, I was assured that I wasn't going to get swatted. I used to go to church and I used to look at some of the saints' eyes and they looked so sad. And they looked so depressed. That's not God. God's the God of the party. He likes parties. The first miracle he did is he turned the water into wine. Don't tell me he don't like parties. Unfermented, of course. He enjoys his people. The Lord your God in the very middle of you, he's mighty. Mighty to save. Mighty to pour out his goodness on your life. But you know, you don't have to preach here on Sunday morning. It is one of the most difficult things to do. To preach in an atmosphere where people are sleeping. And people have such a casual attitude. You have got to be prayed up. And you say, well, man, this is a church of liberty. This is a church of the Holy Spirit. Most of the time. But he can only do what people will allow him to do. And he can only move to the degree that people let him move. And I'm not preaching against people. What I'm preaching against is the apathy of religion. What I'm coming against is this sedate Christianity that does its own thing. After all, brother, this is America. Well, I'm sorry. We are Americans, but we are of a higher kingdom. And our life doesn't belong to us anymore. You're bought with a price. Now, I thought I'd just vent a little bit tonight. Matthew 22. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they all showed up saying, wow. Now listen, you know this wedding had prime rib. You know this wedding had the very best of the best. But they wouldn't come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fatlings are killed. I mean, the prime ribs there. And all things are ready. 
Come on now. But the Bible says they made light of it. They made light of it. Don't ever make light of what God has stamped His approval on. Don't ever make light of church. It is equivalent to, ah, they just shrug their shoulders. Ah. Next. Next evangelist. Next church. They made light of it. And they went their own way. One to his farm, the other to his merchandise, and the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth and sent forth his armies and destroyed those murders and burned their city. Doesn't that make you want to shout? All right. Luke chapter 14. Let's see if it gets a little bit better. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 14, start in verse 12. Then he said also to him that bade him, When you make a dinner or a supper, don't even call your friends, your brothers, your kinsmen, or your rich neighbors lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. But when you make a feast, call the poor. Call the maimed, call the lame, and call the blind. And thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. And... When one of them sat at meat with him, heard this, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then he said, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. Don't you know many are called? And a servant at supper time to say to them, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said, I just bought some property and I need to go and see about it. Have me excused. And another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I've got to go prove them. Have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife and you know I can't come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. And the master said, oh, it's okay. It's fine. No, the master got angry. Don't mistake me for Jesus. Because if you've made a commitment to this church and you come up and tell me that you can't make it, I'm going to smile and I'm going to say it's okay. But just because I say it's okay, doesn't mean it's okay with him. Are you listening to me? Really important stuff here. And uh, the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly 
into the streets and into the lanes of the city. And bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. Don't you know, he's saying, go to the winos. Go to the alcoholics. Go to the prostitutes. Go to the people that aren't so high-minded of themselves that they can't stoop to be humble enough to come to the table of the Lord. That's why God uses churches like this in a mighty way nearer to the inner cities. And I'm not against rich people. I love rich people. I love everybody. But you will find some of the most difficult people to reach are people that are high-minded according to their vocations and according to their money. It is the truth. I guarantee you, you go up to a wino on the street, say, come on. Come on, we're having a big meal. We're having a dinner. He's not going to pull out his Franklin. He's not going to say, well, let me check my busy schedule. Let me see if I can make it. I just can't help it. I got to preach this. I've been at this too long to play games. We are in the last of the last days. And this is a day of his power. Amen. This is a day of his anointing. Thank you, Lord. And this is a day for his volunteers to step up and to step in to what he's called them to do. And the servant said, Lord, it's done as you've commanded, yet there is room. And the Lord said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges. And compel them to come in that my house may be filled. You know what I'm praying for? I'm praying for a day where people are lined up down to Winton Avenue to get into our services. I'm praying that they're lined up all the way down to that other street to get into our services. You got to know that God wants his house filled. And if religious people won't fill it, And if people that are making light of the move of God won't fill it, he will see to it that the right people come to the right place for their needs to be met. The crippled, the blind, the maimed, he'll do it. He's done it before and he'll do it again. So he says, go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of these men which were bidden, they shall not even taste of my supper. Now the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. The other thing I had in my heart to share with you in addition to the time was this. Water is a type of the Holy Spirit. Say it with me, water Water is a type type of of the Holy Spirit. There is the well of water that is within that is a type of salvation, right? How many of you in this place tonight are saved? You're born again. But then there's another type of water found in John 7, verse 37 through 39, where Jesus is speaking of the infilling of the Spirit. And he says, if any man thirsts, how many are thirsty here tonight? If you're thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. 
God is offering you a drink tonight. He's saying, if you're thirsty, come on and drink. And as you partake of this living water, here's what's going to happen. Out of your belly, out of your innermost being, there's going to be such a flow that rivers, not just a river, but rivers, plural, of living water are going to pour out and flow out of you into a dry desert where they are parched and thirsty. In that river, there's health. In that river, there's restoration. And that's why we came up tonight to drink. Not to think, but to drink. So that this week, when we go on into those highways and byways, we've got something to offer people. We're not going out of this place tonight with three points and a poem. We're not going out of here with a a homiletically correct sermon. We're going out of here tonight fueled. We're going out of here tonight ready to let those rivers of living water flow through us. Now tonight, if you've not yet drunk and drank in of the Holy Spirit, in the infilling of the Holy Spirit, God says, come on to me tonight and drink. Because I want to pour out my Spirit upon you And I want to have him fill you so that when you face some rough spots, all that's going to come out of you is a river of life, a river of joy, and a river of light. And there may be a couple people here tonight that have not yet partaken of these rivers of living water. And you're saying, you know what, Pastor Mark? I need desperately To be filled with the Spirit. The Bible says that when we hunger and we thirst after righteousness, we're going to be filled. It's difficult to spend the kind of time that we're talking about tonight seeking first the kingdom of God without the infilling of the Spirit. It is not a word of legalism tonight. Don't accept it like that. Accept it as a word of encouragement to step in and give Him your all. And He's going to pour it out on you. So who is it tonight that would say, yes, pray for me. I desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Who are you?